we've been talking about doing this forever. And so last week I decided sitting around doing nothing that I would just go ahead and put out there to the world that I think now would be a good time to start a podcast. In fact, I think I'd rather just do it as a live Facebook show. And so uh, here it is. So you and I have been talking about doing this for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think we did a Zoom meeting together, yeah. you and I. I mean, that had to be like November. I know. My dog kept jumping in. That's right. I like and uh, that, that was right after we made a trip to D.C. And uh, you know what? That's crazy because I think just today on my Facebook feed, I the memories – it wasn't, it wasn't November. It was longer than that. In my memories today, a picture came up of me and my family at the uh, National Cathedral in D.C. Yeah. So it was one year ago that we, we did this. So anyway, so here we are, Facebook Live, Small Talk, which uh, I did get some good feedback about that name, by the way. I think a lot of people like the name. Good play on my last name, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and really, I kind of gave that to my wife, and then I stole it from her because she was telling me how one day she would like to have a speech clinic because she's a speech pathologist. And then the next thing you know, I'm sitting there brainstorming. I said, how about small talk? That'd be a good name for it. And then I yanked that real, real quick before uh, she could ever even think about using it. So I thought, no, that'd be a better podcast name. So, so I was thinking today about uh, you and I when we met. And... Uh, where was that? Do you remember? I met you. It wasn't from. I mean, it wasn't the, the training we did in North in New England. It, it was. It was, I think it was. I think it was Delaware. Yeah, that's where it was. We met in the airport. Yeah, we met in the airport, so we'd never really even seen each other before. But I'll just say I flew in first, <laughs> then you got in second, and I was just sitting in the terminal. And I'll just say you were not hard for me to find. That's for sure. No, no. no. you can pick me up the lineup pretty damn easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I can definitely pick you out. I think just about anybody could. So I'm I'm happy for people to uh, to meet you, uh, my Facebook friends and and family and everything. Because I talk about Reggie all the time. My buddy Reggie, my friend Reggie, all the time. Really? Yeah, I do. I feel so. I do. I do, man. I do it all the time. So now people actually get to to see you. So. Uh, do, do people have a hard time like wrapping their head around what you do for a living? Cause they do for with me sometimes. And maybe that's, uh, maybe I'm just not clearly communicating to people what I do for a living. This whole not training really. thing you and I do. I mean, do, do people get it? Not really. I mean, they ask me, I tell people that I, I help people develop skills in working with other folks. I try to keep it as general as possible. And they're like, well, what do you teach? And then I, when I started going into it, you could just see the, whew, it's over their head a little bit. I mean, not that it's not smart enough to get it. It's just, I think I get a little too technical with it. So no, most people don't get it. They just know okay. I work independently and I go around to different agencies and stuff and help them develop their staff. Okay. Well, maybe that's what I need to do then. My, my kids, you know, my kids, when they were little in particular, they're 16 and they're uh, 14 now. Uh, when they would get asked that typical question in school, what does your dad do for a living? Uh, I just told them, just say your dad runs his mouth for a living, and that should ju that should just pretty much do it. I had a county commissioner one time said, George, I cannot uh, wrap my head around what it is that, that you do. And I'm just like, well, I, yeah, I guess I, I probably can't either to some degree. So so Reggie and I, we we travel the country, and we train people in a cognitive behavioral curriculum. Yeah. That, that, that manual is like 700 pages long. You know, you're not just going to toss it to someone and say, Hey, go facilitate this with uh, broken people, people who are incarcerated or on probation or whatnot. Um, you know, it's a big manual, cognitive behavioral stuff can be a little bit heady. Uh, so you need some training for that. And so Reggie and I travel around the country training people uh, in that. Now we, I listen, I don't know how this happened, right? We did meet in uh, Delaware, but what I don't, no, is how did we get to the point where we figured out really quickly we could be very honest with each other and say what we needed to say to each other in conversation, whether it's racial issues or politics or whatever, and it was going to be totally fine because because a lot of people cannot do that, man. No, 
Dude, you you can know someone for 20 years. I know. I say this all the time. You can know someone for 20 years and you could say, I like Trump or I like Bernie. And everything that that person knows about you has reached all the good you've done. <laughs> right? I mean, everything. When you brought them a meal when they were sick. Yeah. When y'all were in the church pew together, raising your hands and praising the Lord, and every bit of that goes out the window, boom, like that. You know what I'm saying? Like a hurricane ran through it, for real. I know. And a lot of people could be like, for us, I think it was that first meal. And I won't mention the person we were training with, but. Yeah, I can't even remember. Which is bad. That's really bad. Give me some good. Well, no. I was going to say, give me some initials or something, but we won't won't talk about that. No, we we ain't gotta go there, but uh, he's a mutual friend. But uh, yeah, y'all started our religion, and, and he, as an atheist, started espousing his. I remember him saying, Man, you worship a zombie, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't back down from him at all. And that was the first time I've like been I could normally I've been so PC about things, and I still am. I mean, you want to be tolerant of people and you know, inclusive and all that, but. Especially if you're training and people paying you to do that, they don't want you to come in there sharing your values with them. But at those meals after, you know, when you're with your training team, I was so closed mouth, and I saw you just sitting over there just having added with it. And I thought I like that dude. And both of us being from the south, show didn't hurt at all. You know what I mean? Right. So, I, I, for me, that's when I I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, I'm just gonna be lay it out there in front of them. And no, I got some I got some people from. When I grew up, so I don't even want to say back home. I, I grew up in Ohio mm-hmm. and like the only thing Ohio is still about me is that I love the Buckeyes. I, I do. I just absolutely love the Buckeyes. Now, other than that, yeah, it's a good enough place to go visit. Yeah. But I've yeah. lived in Florida now longer than I lived in Ohio. I, I really feel like a Floridian now. And I, I would rather be no other place than in the South. That's for sure. You You and I have talked about that quite a bit. Like this is the place to be. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, yeah. Interesting. Like I'll bring up religion even in a training class Mm. and I have my ways of doing it. That's for sure. I I might be a little slick about it. Right. I don't don't even know if I'm slick about it really. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't go there because it just comes out, you know, it's part of my fabric, it's my beliefs and my value system. So I mean, I, I told you a story about, um, you know, in motivation interviewing, they got the whole concept of the spirit, you know, the four different components, partnership, acceptance, compassion, evocation. And then, um, well, when I always talk about that, I break it down and I, I talk about, I compare it to the idea of First Corinthians 13, 13, right? Faith, hope, yeah. and love, the greatest of these is love. And then, so I always say the greatest of the pieces of um, the spirit is acceptance, right? So that's just my way of relating it, trying to give some emphasis to it, give some context to it when I break it out, because we do a whole separate exercise, set of seconds. I mean, it's uh, several exercises around it. And then I got feedback that um, they felt that I was a really inclusive person, that I was really thoughtful and and mindful of a lot of things. But when I made that statement, it, they, it made them wonder. It made them feel uncomfortable, actually. It made them wonder how many people fe- felt excluded because, you know, I, I was quoting a Christian doctrine and then other people in the room may not be christian and i thought ooh, well i don't know what to do with that i mean like i I don't want to offend anybody and and no way at all but at the same time i love the lord hear my cry i mean and but that's not my intent in the conversation it's not like i planned to insert these things but just when i'm you know you know you get in a role and you kind of explain and stuff right right Sometimes at large teachers from from that Southern Baptist kind of slip in there once in a while. You know what I mean? Right. I even right. Like, you know, when, when change and, and resistance can't be in the same space, right? And right. They kind right, of right. the same core, but they can't exist at the same time. It's like what the Bible say: you can't serve two masters. You got to love one and hate the other, right? I don't do that no more. I stopped saying that in class. I take that much. I took that feedback and I integrated it into my work. But I don't. It, it's not as if I'm saying this. To like offend people, or to, I mean, I ain't gonna deny my Lord, but I'm not trying to like expose this on the you know forces on other people. It's just it's a natural part of who I am. But I've learned to be more conscious of that because uh, people are sensitive. I mean, I shouldn't even call it sensitive. People, you never know what'll trigger somebody to feel like 
you 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 offended them and put them right. in a bad place. Well, here's how it happens in my training class. All right, ready? And by, by the way, I see some 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 comments asking, "Hey, who is this? Uh, this is my uh, great friend uh, Reggie Prince." Um, so I really want to have Reggie on quite a bit on this uh, on this podcast. In fact, uh, we're going to call this the Prince George episode of uh, <laughs> of Small Talk. Uh, and uh, so here so here's how it goes down in my class. I'm. You know, in thinking for a change training, we we start that first morning off and we're talking about cognitive behavioral iceberg, you know, your structure of thinking and how do you ultimately end up changing your behavior? Well, you, you have to well, you have to pay attention to what's going on in your head. So like when you ask a kid who does something or an adult for that matter, what were you thinking? And they have two answers. Now, you and I have traveled all over this country and we ask this question. What do people say? When you say, man, what were you thinking? It's either I don't know or I wasn't. And I can go along with one of those answers. Like, I don't know. I call that impulsivity. But I wasn't thinking. Uh, there's some things you do, like where you drive home and you're within like five minutes of your house and you've been driving for 30 minutes. You just kind of snap out of it and you're like, dang, man, how did I even get this far? And, and I could have caused a three-car pileup and not even know it. You know, you just... It's just like rote memory. You're just kind of moving almost without thinking. I get that. But most of our most of our behavior is we we think about it in some form or fashion. So here, here's how the faith thing or the Bible comes out in my class, right? So I'll say, um, so ultimately, you got to pay attention to your thoughts, recognize if there's anything risky in your thinking that might lead you into trouble. And then third, you've got to use new thinking. So you've got to change your thinking. So I I think it was someone maybe thousands of years ago, some really smart guy said, um, as a man thinks, so is he. <laughs> now, in fact, the guy who said that sometimes gets credited for being the smartest man ever living. And in fact, he that is recorded in the best-selling book of all time. Now, I'm not trying to make a religious point, but here's what I'm trying to say to you is that people have known this for a long, long, long time. And then ultimately, at some point, I always end up saying as well that, uh, hey, you know what? If you really want to change the way you behave, and let's face it, most of us have something we want to change. Like if you if you feel like you have absolutely nothing to change, then then you, then you are ignorant. You are you are totally unaware or incredibly self-righteous. I mean, it's just amazing to me how uh, all the perfect people we have in the world. Yeah. But but if you uh, listen, if you're going to change, then well, it's probably a good idea to to not be conformed to this crazy world that we're living in, right? You you might actually want to sort of in a way be transformed by like the renewing of your mind, right? Like to think Maybe there are some things that you could even think on, mm -hmm. right? And and these are all like very biblical points. Yeah. But not only is it biblical, it's just common sense. I don't want to say it's common sense. Yeah, it, my grandfather say sense ain't common. For real. <laughs> right. It's not just common sense, but it's psychologically true. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how you argue with it. Like, that, that is, that, yeah, that people, is just psychologically people, true. People still do, but my, my point ain't to argue with you, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want. Do what you want with what we're teaching you, but you can't argue against science. And we, we know, and you can't argue through history, I mean, against history. We know that um, this is sound practice, right? Like, there's enough evidence to support what we're talking about. I don't need to defend it. If you don't believe in it, then just sit in the corner and chill out while we get the rest of the thing done. I won't tell your boss, and you ain't got to tell him neither. But uh, don't be a disruption within the class. That's what I usually do with people yeah. who don't, don't don't ride with it. But I, I, that whole the whole thing about religion, I will not deny my Lord, and yet that ain't my place to put it on other people either. So I've learned to stop quoting the Bible, <laughs> which my mom <laughs> would be proud of. If she's still alive, by the way. So I, I quit quoting it directly, and I I, I, try, I start doing what you do, which is just if it comes out, I'll make sure that I, I just say the phrase. I don't necessarily associate it with anything. It's more so just like a metaphor or a simile or something like that. And then that's a great way to do it, man, because it's interesting that you say 
at dinner time when we first met, I was, I guess I was pretty strong about whatever viewpoint down at all. Uh, I have, I realized at some point that my method with my children to, to kind of head things off at the past, that is bad behavior at the past. So I don't even see it from them. Uh, whenever I see dumb behavior, I call it dumb. <laughs> that is stupid. What that person's doing is ignorant. Not that I don't have some of my own. I got plenty of my own. But if, if you have a relationship with your father and your father views certain things as really dumb and ignorant, then you don't want to be dumb and ignorant in your father's eyes. So mm. you don't do those things. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that maybe I think that works with I think that's probably worked to some degree with my kids. Now, uh, people say to Rebecca and I, oh, you guys have done such a great job with your kids. I think genetics and God did a great job with our kids because they, they have an amazing disposition, uh, by the way. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I think, I th you know, it's easy. All right. <laughs> uh, but I think I do this. I do this. I take the same approach like in class, like. Um, I think I might leave some people to the point where they don't want to argue with me in class, at least not out in front of the class. Yeah. They, they might want to have a little word with me off to the side, but I rarely get anybody ever speak up in class and try to challenge what I have definitively said. This is true. Yeah. And I, true. Honestly, that that's your experience with me as an African-American male. I have, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of yeah. times when I enter the room, I'm tall, I'm big, so it's, it's a fascination, right? I mean, everybody cool with Reggie. But when it comes to, like, is this dude, does he know what he's talking about? Sometimes. And it hasn't happened a lot frequent recently. I mean, but I've had some historical interactions that uh, might blow your mind, man, because people tend to challenge me. It was in the first half day. But after that first half day, though, it's a wrap. Like, they, I got it locked down. But I ever tell you the story about uh, a training I was doing in in in, in a state where um, so I, I'll just tell you now and if I have stopped me. So I was doing the training, and I was the lead, right? I was sent out to do the training. Everything was going straight, and um, I was there with two other people that I was kind of training up. So you know how we do? We break them out into groups of ten. So the right. first day I did the breakout, and then I told my the other person that was there training with me separate them out. Don't leave them in the same groups. You know, mix and match them some. But nope, they still kept them in the same group together. So there I was, and I was doing the training, and we did the breakout groups the next day. And my group was all white women, three of them pregnant. So I'm like, were okay. they woke? That's what I want to know. Were they woke? Let, let me finish this story. All right. So I go in, and we doing the training. They did the first uh, teach back, and I gave some feedback. They start crying. So then we did the second teach back. I gave some feedback. They start crying. So I'm like, hold on, wait. This is a little awkward. You know, I'm soft. I'm, I'm soft as baby poop, man. Everybody love Reggie. I'm a teddy bear. Right. So what's going on? So I, I, I actually did a little timeout and I said, hey, so let's talk about what's going on here because this seems kind of um, just, just, just kind of awkward. And they said, well, you know, you're just so intimidating. I said, okay. Well, you know, I can sit down when I talk. That's why I sit a lot. I mean, I, I should say I'm lazy too, but I mean, I started sitting back then because I didn't want to intimidate people. What are you, six eleven? Yeah, six eleven. Yeah, but then so they said you're intimidated. I said okay, so I can sit when I talk. You know, I don't have to. I can make sure I monitor my my tone and things. They said no, it's not that. We got inmates the same size as you. I said, well, what is it? And they kind of had this little collective discussion among themselves. And then all of a sudden, one of them said, well, why don't we just pretend he's an inmate? I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. I sat back, and all I can think in my head is checks to your cash pot. At the end of the day, y'all can do whatever you want to do. They still gonna run me mine, so I, that's what it is. And I honestly, I was shook. I called back to the place that had sent me out there, and I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't." So, I said to her, "And let me guess, this administrator is a white guy, right?" So it was just like I could feel it, man. I could feel Ooh. it, right? And uh, she's like, "Yep." And then, and then we got real, right? <laughs> we got real at that point. We had some real talk because. Man, I don't know. Is that just ignorance? Is that out and out racism? 
Uh, I think I know what your answer is because you know I've I've been critical of you sometimes. You just jump to racism way too quick, and I'm like, no. Okay, and so we need to we need to discuss our racial spectrum disorder here in just a second. But I just think that guy's a I just think that guy's a fool. That's what I think. He's just foolish. I'll answer your question, and we talked about this before. And to be clear, it's about the perception that people have, right? And everybody don't have the same perception. But like if I didn't grow up around people, if I wasn't around them, you know, if I didn't have daily interactions, if I didn't have intimate relationships with them, you know, friendships and things, then I'm going to base my perception of them off what I've learned or of past experiences, right? And, and what people tell me. And we tend to, well, African-American males tend to just be labeled, man. I mean, don't call me a victim, though. Don't shed a tear for me. I ain't happy here. You know what I mean? But we, we, there's a distortion. Sometimes uh, you know what I do. Like I, I run a nonprofit as well around this whole EBD thing, emotional behavior disorder thing, and that's something that really comes out within there. This whole perception of people, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's this idea. What they describe is what. Uh, let me be clear. EBD is emotional behavior disorder. It's a label that's put on kids. It's not uh, clinical. It's subjective. I mean, they try to get it in the DSM five. I mean, different pieces of it is, but as a whole, it's just a label that's used in schools, right? Now, this label, if you get it, you're twice as likely to be either in jail or homeless or in some kind of treatment facility at the age of 18. 13 times more likely to be arrested in school. Um, you, they only, only 40% graduate compared to like 60% on the other side. Right? I mean, like it's, it, it's a horrible label. It's pretty much the beginning of the school to prison pipeline. Like it, I, I'm not quoting statistics that I made up. This is, you can get it from the Department of Education. Right. And they, they found that many states, strangely outside of the South, but, <laughs> but many states, they, they give this label disproportionately to African-American males. Where I live, they give it to that label at five times the national average. Right. So getting that label is a likelihood of you failing and being unsuccessful and going to jail. But it, it's just strange that it's put on the black kid. Now, here's the distortion comes in. The big distortion is more times than not. Our workforce is 90% white females as teachers that are making these judgments about kids. I don't say that they're overtly racist. I don't think they're clan members or anything. It's just that behavior that they see in that kid ain't what they what they attribute to what a kid should be doing, right? So it has to be maladaptive because it's not what my brother did or the, the boys I grew up around did, right? So if you hadn't had experiences cross-culturally, you'll tend to misinterpret people's behavior. Do I think that that's... Out and out racism? Nope, I don't. I mean, it's human nature, to be honest, which you learn through association and you, what you see, you kind of, you know, you, you attribute to things that you know, right? We, we can only come from our own source of knowledge. But it just, it plays out in a way that seems to kind of target a specific group. And then the, the outcomes just ain't good for them. So is that what you thought I was going to say, Mr. George? Uh I think that you and I talking all these years, I'm starting to get you straightened out, man. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. Okay, so so about a year ago, about a year ago, we had our first sort of private go at doing this on on Zoom. Yeah. And uh we were talking about the fact that uh uh we we lost a friend, just like I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. We hadn't seen this person in a long time. Uh, but, uh, this person we connected with didn't like our political viewpoints and boom, just like that, uh, got, got called every name in the book, basically politically. You can imagine you're racist, this, that, I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff. And so we talked about that. And so when we had that conversation, what was that? As a Trump voter, you have to be racist, right? Well, now, well, it at least it at least it at least puts you on the uh, let's go here. It at least puts you on the racial spectrum somewhere. Well, but, and I, I I'll concede that, but here's my point. My neighbor, his name is Jim. I'll use his first name, not his last. He got a Trump tw- sign on his uh on his garage. I mean, a big one in Minneapolis he, or in St. Paul. In St. Paul, he he's asking a- for trouble. If you ask me, he ain't in the South. He, he he seriously used to put signs up in his front yard saying drain the swamp. And people would stop and take the signs down. So it pissed him off so bad he nailed it to the tree so they couldn't take it down for real. Now, on, on his face, I mean, I just had a friend the other day who 
was over here at the house. He saw the flag on. He's like, man, you get along with him? I'm like, hell yeah, I get along with him. This same allegedly racist man, when we first moved in, I couldn't afford to put a deck on the back, right? You know, he, he was house poor at the time. Yeah. He came over and talked to me, and he, he said he would build the deck, him and his friend, if we just bought the materials. Wouldn't take money for building an 18 by 20 deck on the back of the house. We've been slipping him gift cards ever since trying to pay the deck. <laughs> I blew my knee out, and he saw my wife was going in the backyard to take the dogs out repeatedly. He put, and it was icy and snow out there. He came over and put up a dog walk that went from my deck to the last tree in my yard. Nobody asked him to do this. Nobody gave him a dime to do it. He just did it because he did. He saw that we were in a bad way. If anything breaks down over here, like machine-wise, if he sees me working on it, he stops what he's doing to come and help me. And he do this for anybody. It doesn't matter your color. So for you to say a Trump voter is racist, then you telling me that my neighbor, Jim, who I consider to be like a family member, who's a Trump voter, is racist. And I'm going to tell you a lie. You're a damn lie, to be honest with you. Because just because you support him don't mean that you have to fall in, under that kind of like ideology, right? I don't, I don't, I ain't going to say I support Trump, but I ain't going to sit here and blast people to do. And the more the liberals, we liberals choose to blast y'all, all we're doing is convincing you to go ahead and vote for him again. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're telling you that you're stupid, you're ignorant, and you're racist, and you're going to prove to us you're not by voting for him again, aren't you? You know what I mean? So I, I just think that's a crock of mess. Well, I mean, listen, I'm going to vote for him. I got to. I can't vote for a guy that uh, doesn't know where he's at half the time. He comes up and <laughs> Paul, talk to you, he might think he's here. I don't, I just, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny. I mean, it's just, that's just what's going on right now. That's just the facts, man. I, I, I don't just, want to detail on who I'm going to vote for, but what I will say is this. We as all sides need to stop labeling people and stop. Man, isn't that the truth? And stop wagging our finger at one another because at the end of the day, bro, it ain't there before the grace of God. It literally, your your opinions are almost uh, the reciprocal of mine. And and that when it all comes down to it, it ain't about black, it ain't about white. It's about green. It's about who can provide for their family and who can do a good existence for themselves. Whichever yeah. one that put me on that path, that's the one I'm gonna do. Well, let's let's talk about the uh, spectrum. Let's just get this out there in the world, okay? Vote to kill a baby killer, you uh, are one too. I don't know what that means. Well, uh, if uh, if you voted for someone who espouses uh, abortion that supports abortion, I, th I think that's what she's saying. Oh, I ain't gonna, I don't, I ain't gonna tell you. Who, this is something I learned in the Midwest. Midwesterners do not talk about who we vote for. Yeah, no, at all. Seriously, I'm I, I'm a Southern boy at heart. But I've embraced that one. I've taken that one on and run with it. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe those last vestiges of me being a uh, Midwestern boy are, are indeed gone. Maybe they are. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> it's it's not you know to me it's not even about who the person is. Really, it's just I've always said for a long time like what I'm motivated by are the facts. That's what motivates me, and those well, are not always those are not always pretty. By the way. Right. I've, I've had people, you and I both travel around, not only teaching cognitive behavioral stuff, but you and I both teach um, a communication style called motivational interviewing. Right. So mm -hmm. I'll say to somebody, hey, I'm going to, um, you know, Wyoming and I'm going to go teach a motivational interviewing class. And they think I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm like, no, I'm like the furthest thing from it. Uh, and so, sometimes people will say that I might be motivational. And I'm like, I don't think so, man. Uh, I don't even try to be. What what motivates me is the facts, and that's not always pretty. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, just, so like if, if the economy is doing better, uh, you know, my personally, business is good for me. I mean, let's face it, this is all pretty self-indulgent. Then... <laughs> Self-serving, absolutely. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it yeah. is. And, 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 uh, and, but not only that, like I want to see other people doing well too. Michelle in there talking to you? Well, my phone, my computer's going dead, so I have oh. to bring it up. Yeah, man, plug that up because I don't have a game plan if you uh, if you die here. Oh, that would be kind of ugly. Yeah, it would be. So, uh, it, but it's not all self indulgent. Like I want children to be doing well. I want other people to be doing well. Business owners to be doing well. That's what I want. Uh, it's not just about me. But I do believe a rising tide lifts all ships. So, uh, it, but so anyway, anyway, so when we were talking about uh, 
this uh, former friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, I had said to you, just like there is a uh, autism spectrum, I think that there should be a racist <laughs> spectrum, yeah. right? And I think we could, we could call it a disorder as well, because I think yeah. it is a disorder. So racist spectrum disorder. Now, uh, I don't know how many numbers we put on this, but let's just five. Okay. That, yeah. That's actually the numbers popping in my head. All right. Okay. So number one, I think I put as uh, you're just overly interested in a person of another uh, color or race. Which I told right? you is offensive on his face, right? <laughs> it's offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's very different than number five being, hey, your way of kicking it on the weekend is in white sheets and hoods. Right, like maybe you got a very, head. Yeah, you got a got a set of clippers around the house. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's very different. Yeah, it's very different. And and I'm honestly, I don't want anyone even to be watching this thinking that um that we're trivial trivializing this in any sort of way because we're absolutely not. Um, but there is a difference. There's a big difference in just I have not really been around very many black folks, and so I just mm-hmm. find them interesting, which yeah. I think is. A lot of people are kind of in that camp. I think there's a lot of people there. And why is it offensive? It's because I I, I ain't a, a dude at the zoo. I mean, I mean I'm not yes, the, absolutely. And this yep. is and, and this is another reason why I feel like I'm talking over you, man. Go ahead. I know my bad. I, I just said just see me as a human being, right? You can be interested in Reggie as a person, but just not black people. Because what I say don't represent all black people, and what I do ain't a, a indication of what other black people might do in this reference. I'm six eleven, right. four hundred fifty. Uh, let's get it put straight. 420. I lost 61 pounds, Joe. That's Where, awesome, man. But, uh, you know, so my life experience is going to be a little bit different than, say, a five foot eight black guy. You know what I mean? So I don't speak for all black people. So that, that interest is, I, I, saying offensive, I hate that word, but it, it's off putting. How about that? Right? Because uh, you ain't got to laugh and joke and figure out how black folks act through me. Just figure out how Reggie acts and see if we get along. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And this also reminds me of how disgusted I get sometimes when people act as if Reggie can only be successful if uh, someone my color allows him to be. Like, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) I do, man. Like, I do. I think this is so ridiculous. And And, uh, because, okay, so look, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at uh, my buddy, Paul Davis, and uh, he's on here right now. Paul and I played baseball together. Uh, Paul and my science partner in in class, Reggie, you, uh, I don't think I've ever told you this. I, I think there was one, uh, one black male in my school, and he was my science partner. Wow. Lamar. His name was Lamar. Great kid, man. Awesome. I liked him a lot. In fact, we actually even went to the uh, we went to the same church. Uh, yeah. I, I liked him a lot. Um, but I I can't. Th- Lamar was smarter than me, more athletic than me. Like he didn't need me to uh, help him be successful. Uh, I think you're smarter than I am. Well, you're published anyway. <laughs> I don't mean that though, but but I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> like I, you know, no one no one needs my permission, regardless of who they are, to be successful. That's for sure. That's for had- sure. Oh, now, yes. don't that, I'm not saying there's not oppression, man, because there there is oppression. But I'll yeah. just say on the individual level, I I'm not feeling guilty about it. Where there's oppression, man, I'll lock arms with you and, and I'll. I'll beat it back right with you, a hundred percent. Well, and you you know my my thoughts about this whole thing. Um, it, it's really this thing of what is systemic oppression, right? And, and because it exists, well, you would concede that it exists, though that systemic oppression exists. Uh, I just, man, systemic is. Uh, you'd have to really define systemic. Okay, so every damn way you go. I mean, if if it's an element of action that involves uh, like a need to get a a service met or or anything, like there's there's a level of there's potential 
for oppression. And I ain't gonna say it exists everywhere, but I've been in places where I was just a human being. I'm not kidding. You. I mean, I, that, but there's other places where it really is a, a, a thing, man. And, but it's not, I go back to what I said before. It's not this intentional thing where you got a ton of folks walking around saying, I hate these people or I hate those people. We talked about it. Like people as a, as a whole tend to gravitate toward folks who share similar values, right? Who, who kind of approach things the same way. And, and maybe more times than not, they, they, they kind of recognize themselves in that. Yes or no? Is that true or not? Now, yeah, I think that's true. So more times than not, we recognize ourselves as people who actually, in some ways, physically look like us. So you, you probably, m- most people, have a network of friends, but the ones they're more intimate with are the ones they identify with. And they ain't always the same race, but more times than not, it is. Now, that translates itself into a workplace. When I go to hire people, I'm gonna hire people that I'm comfortable with, people who share similar values, people who have the same kind of vision, and or at least I, I believe I can develop and, and nurture into like the, the, the path that I'm trying to take folks in or take this business organization within. Now, if that same thing holds true, that we tend to gravitate toward folks that we identify with, and we often identify with folks that look like us, if that translates into the workplace, then that means I, I'm gonna hire somebody that looks like me. That don't mean, and I don't want to imply that I'm saying oh, I definitely hiring that guy because he's black. It's just I'll feel more comfortable. I might see a little more credit in this individual because I identify with him. And sometimes that is cross culturally, but more times than not, it's not. Because of that, a lot of people get left out of the loop. A lot of people get left out of the loop. And more times than not, for the ones getting left out of the loop, the only way they can get inside that loop is if somebody pulls them in, right? Sure. And if if yep. the people that are, are in, have the access to pull you in are of a different race, you take it and you, you ride with it. So that's where this idea of, I don't think I need a white man to help me do anything. I don't. I mean, I, I, I firmly believe that I am capable, fully capable. But I also recognize, too, that there's some situations where I might need somebody to uh, crack that dough for me so I can you know, go ahead and run through. And more times than not, that's going to be you, George, because you you might be in a position to be able to do that because, you know what I mean, you have authority. You have, uh, you, you get what I'm saying? I don't want to ramble on too far here and go off on a tangent, but that's how it, that, that's where the need comes in. It's not that I need you to, like, excuse my behavior, dismiss my faults or my deficiencies. Not at all. More times than not, once you open that door for me, I'm going to have to outperform you and everybody else that look like you in order to be able to stay in that room. But I guess that's a hardship that most black people have no problem enduring so long as I'm in that damn loop. So long as I'm able to get my piece of the pie, dog, on it, even if it's just a crust and I don't get no, no fruit with it, as long as I'm in there, that, that's all that matters. And the thing that I've learned to do over the years is I pull people in that loop with me too. And yes, it's black people, but it's also anybody that has been marginalized who don't have a that doesn't get an opportunity to have that voice in that loop, right? So when I do training initiatives, I pull in the best qualified people. Doesn't matter what color they are, and don't get me wrong, I'll go seek out some black folks to pull in there because I, I, I want to allow them the space in the room. But I, I pull in folks of all things. I think we should all lift each other up in some way, shape, or form. If you well, I'm glad to know. I'm glad. I'm glad to know that when this Corona thing goes away, you and I are headed to California together, man. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm glad to be on your team, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. And the thing is, with that that project, I've been, I went for the most qualified people, which is the folks we know historically have been a part of it. But I also have created an access lane for people who hadn't had the experience, but got the, the chops to be able to do it so they can get in and, and be able to get inside that loop. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Hey, I just one of the people that uh, is posting is uh, is uh, my buddy Paul. I mentioned him before, Paul Davis. Yeah, we, yeah uh, man, I really like this guy. Man, we were uh, we played baseball together as kids. A uh, couple of things I remember about Paul. I remember one time he threw a big old curveball and uh catcher missed it (laughs) catcher missed it and the umpire was behind him picking up his gear off the ground getting ready to get the inning started hit the guy right in his ear uh it it about killed that umpire i remember that but uh, here's here's the other thing i remember about paul all right 
and 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 this is what I was thinking about when I brought this up earlier about that interest thing, just interested in black yeah. people. I'm not going to say who said it, all right? But someone said to me one time, said, "You, I've I've never mentioned this. Paul he has no idea." Said, um, "Did you see Paul changing his shoes? He was so clean. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. so clean. So I what? What? I told you about this, didn't I? A long time ago." Yeah, and um, well, he, Paul would ride his bicycle, and and he can uh, text me if 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 I'm not getting this right. But I think I remember Paul riding his bicycle to practice, right? So he's not wearing his cleats on his bicycle, right? He changed when he get down there, but he was just so neat and clean. Well, I am too. I'm not thinking anything about that, right? But someone made that, and I just, it stuck with me, man. I never, I never forgot that for whatever reason, the person went out of the way to say he was neat and clean. Oh, you know, it reminds me of not to go. Well, yeah, to get po uh, political again is when Biden said about Obama, about how, how he was a dream. <laughs> he, I don't, I don't remember everything he said about him, but he's smart. He's articulate. He had all these compliments for him. Like, how could it be? that Barack Obama could be all these great things. Is that possible? This is a dream. No, it's well, not a dream. It's not a dream at all. He's a man. Leave, leave Uncle Joe alone. But uh, <laughs> I'll go back to your friend in the dirty comment. And, and it's it's about biases, man. The thing is, though, we all have them, right? I mean, when you talk about important bias, the first group that jump in your mind is white folks. Well, everybody got biases. I mean, like all of us do. But it's it just white people's biases tend to have a little more impact on other folks than ours do on, on the other side of the fence. You know what I mean? So is that a numbers that, game? What's that? Is that a numbers game? Uh, it's 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 a power thing. It's the people yeah. who have authority and who have the, the green, right? I mean, if you got biases and you hold the key to the door, then your biases can easily keep that door closed, right? But the, the thing that I often talk to people about when it comes to biases and stuff is how they form. A lot of times it's based on like your, your upbringing uh, and not that your parents were racist, but just the things you tend to hear, right? The, 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 the information that you take in that, that never gets disrupted. Like there's never a, contradict, a contradicting message to it. And so you just take it as face value, especially when it's coming from people that you respect or folks that you otherwise would ingest their information as authority right so it just over time people start getting ideas i mean like this idea of you know black people don't do certain things white people don't do certain things like i grew up and somebody told me all white people don't be around a white person when they get wet because they smell like dogs like wet dogs and i'm like wow i'm married to a white woman now she don't smell like a wet dog when she get wet more times than not you know what i mean so i had something to disrupt that 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 illogical thought pattern that was placed in my head when i was younger and for a lot of people, though, they never have something that disrupts these uh, mixed messages and, and like really negative messages that go out about anybody. I mean, whether it's Asian folks or whether it's black folks. And I mean, they, they, nothing disrupts the message. So they just go on what they know. And again, from the, the people that have the authority, the people that seem to be like uh, in power within our country, you, you can hold those values. And even if you hold them dear, there's really not a consequence for them. I mean, there's some public shaming that might go along with it. And that's if you're brave enough to put your business out there in the streets. But if you don't ever speak out in, in front of people, you can hold them and there's never a real consequence for them. Well, no, like, I mean, a lot of people hold a lot of beliefs that they don't share them. It's inconsequential. Who really cares? This is going to die with you. Well, I get you. But that, my point to it is the reason why people harp on white folks and their biases is because if I hold my biases, I may not share them, but we always act on them. We talked about this before. Thinking controls behavior. If you take control, you're thinking yada yada yada. So if I got a bias against someone, it's going to affect the decisions I make about them. Correct. It's mm -hmm. going to affect the way I interact with them, um, opportunities I may afford them, and things of that nature. So, but me acting on my biases has little to no impact on you. No, to not not no. And you, no. as an individual, acting on your biases don't really have a direct impact on me. Like that whole white privilege thing, I don't buy into that. I mean, at least not in a traditional sense, because people always equate it to something monetary, right? Like you get some kind of financial gain from it. And I grew up with some white folks that suffered. I still remember one kid, JT, I won't say his last name. This boy lived in a trailer with a hole in the floor, man. 
He built a car from scratch to be able to drive 11 miles to get to school. You can't get that man to talk about white privilege, you know what I'm saying, or bias. Right. Yeah, but that's it's, a non-starter. It's, it's kind of a, a systemic thing where that those biases, if you buy into the values of those who are in control, then maybe there, there is some kind of thing. And, and on top of that, that whole idea of privilege, as a black man with a black child, Jake got pulled over at the airport the other day. Now, he's down there picking up his, his girlfriend who flew down to the scene. And when he called me to tell me that, dude, I started crying. Like, my chest was heaving. I couldn't breathe. I had no clue what the hell was about to happen. I see, I tell him to, to put that camera at that door and let me see what's going on. Now, there's nothing I can do from a thousand miles away. But at least I could see and know what was tra- transpiring, right? Terrified of what this interaction would be. The cop told him, go up there and wait by my car. He put, made, walked him up there, you know, in, in, in the vehicle and made him park behind and gave, he had to give the cop his keys. Now I'm sitting there in the car giving my son all these instructions. When he come back, you be polite, you do this, don't do that. I mean, like, I'm terrified thinking even that shit ain't going to work, right? Pardon my language. That, you don't worry about that if your kid get pulled over, do you? No, in fact, she just she just got my my child. Yeah, my child just started driving, and I just went through with her. What do you do if you get pulled over? And the extent of that was basically, hey, uh, roll down your window. I think it's a really good idea to roll down the back window for the for the officer as well, so they can get a, a look at you. You know, even before they approach your driver's window, keep your hands on the wheel, and uh, and, and just do what they tell you to do. I mean, that's. You know, same similar instruction I'm giving Jacob, but also in my heart I'm thinking that may not be enough. Do you so do you do you not trust that he would do that? Or well, I trust that Jacob would do it. Jacob gonna do okay. what Reggie's gonna do. But I'm okay. saying even with that, that may not be enough. He still may end up being slaughtered right there in that spot. And even with the camera on, with me recording the moment, it really won't matter, right? Now I live under that fear constantly. You can call it irrational. You can call it whatever. Well, okay, so I was going to ask you if that's irrational. Okay, let's so if. Hold on, wait. Let me, let me explain to you why it's not. I live okay. in a city where Philando Castile got killed 11 miles away from where I live mm-hmm. for telling the guy exactly what was going on and trying to follow his instructions and got shot down. And that man didn't serve one minute in jail, right? So the fact that I live under that fear for my baby every day, is that oppression? That's hell. You know, huh? That's hell. But you don't have to deal with that, right? Mm. At least no, not that, that's not no, no, that's not a that's not a fear of mine. And that so that's I crazy. might have others, but that's not that's not one of them. So th- to me, that's my interpretation of privilege. It's that that freedom of thought, man. I mean, like the 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 we all got concerns, but the concerns that I have as a black dude living, breathing every day, they're a little bit more. I can't listen. You, you, you reshape my thinking on that. I would hear in the past, I would hear white privilege and and I would just immediately discount that idea. But I get it now. I I totally get what, what you're saying. And and I believe it. I believe it. I believe it goes the other way too. If, um, yeah. So a friend of mine was talking about how he and his wife just recently went to a, um, a, a comedy show somewhere I, it sounded like a pretty big event maybe a good sized venue they walked in they were like the only white people there yeah. and um there was some level of discomfort right oh, yeah. so i would say in that in that moment there was some black privilege to be had in and that moment temporary. right that's temporary What's that that's temporary because oh yeah as temporary no i agree as, they go back to being the majority i mean like that's the, right they walk out that door. well I mean, depending on what part of town it was in, maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, it took them a little bit longer, but eventually <laughs> they got to cross the track, maybe. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Eventually they got to back to where, yeah, they were firmly in the majority and everything was cool. And that's the difference. I mean, that to me, that's privilege. The, the, to live a life where you don't have a fear of something breaking left and horribly wrong and you potentially losing your life behind something that would be a normal interaction for another person, that's oppressive as hell. Yeah. Here's my, here's my fear is, uh, and, uh, I love that, uh, Susan said, thanks for having these open conversations and, and, uh, and my buddy Nick, um, 
chimed in. You, you got to love this comment. Let me put, post this. Oh, okay. okay, just just stepped in. What's the topic of discussion? I heard white people smell like dogs when they get wet. Uh, I'll, I'll, Please stick around. Stick around. Hey man, we just we just got our pool remodeled. I'll go I'll go test out that theory uh, as soon as we're done here, Reggie. <laughs> see what see what's up. I don't know if you can smell yourself though, but but uh, Reggie was told that as as a child uh, by somebody. But yeah, let me let me circle back. One of the things that came came to mind when I was a kid. I won't tell you what family member again, but we were at Kings Island, which is amusement parks uh, north of Cincinnati. And we're in line for a ride. And uh, here come these and long line, man. Just one of those days, just long, long lines. And here come some black folks cutting through the line. And like no one's saying a word. And the family member I was with said to me, they're black. You, you can't say anything. There's nothing you can do about it. And now, because I have like I have zero white guilt, okay. I have zero white guilt. I'd be like, hey, now, uh, you, you're going to stop right there. You're, you're <laughs> not going to go by me right now. Cause we're, we're not going to play that game. I do not care. You will well, stop. Um, but here's the, here's the danger, though. Here's the danger for me is that because I have zero white guilt. Because I've associate these things uh, on a uh, very individual level, not big societal, social level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there ills of our path? Of course, man. Of course. And again, wherever they manifest themselves, I'll be right there alongside you, man. And you know that. Yeah. Uh, but but on the individual level, I just don't. I don't have it. So if if I come off a certain way, I don't want someone to automatically drop the r word on me because well, that's just not it's true gonna happen. i mean it, 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 well yeah it's going to happen you yeah. i'm not going to be happy about it and i'm going to tell you i'm going to i'm going to fire back i'm no. definitely not going to fire back with hey um i got a black you friend. can't say that i got black friends one of them's name's reggie and i launched the podcast because uh, you know i've been wanting to do that forever and uh he's the first episode and his name's reggie prince and mine is george Smallstig, and uh that's why i called this the prince george episode for anyone else that chimed <laughs> in and just thought i was being uh arrogant <laughs> i'm gonna tell you um that that whole thing Stand up for yourself. I'm, I, there's no nothing wrong with that. But even well, I'm going to. But if I hey, listen. But if I'm in that audience where my friend was uh, uncomfortable, right? Because as a white person, that friend was clearly in the minority. I ain't speaking up there. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no. my daddy didn't raise no fool. Now, I ain't hey. trying to get I ain't trying to get beat down. Hey, listen, if I'm gonna get beat down, I at least want somebody putting it on YouTube. That way I can like be on the news later, you know, my head all bandaged up talking about what happened. Let me get a little a couple more hits on the podcast or something. <laughs> now, but let's go back to that. You can't say anything. All right, we got five more minutes, man. We'll be at an hour. You and I could do this for like three hours, like Joe yeah. Rogan podcast, man. But no, but go uh, ahead. Let's go back to that one. I'll do it quickly. So that again, that's a bias. That, that that's a preconceived idea that was formed somewhere along the line, whether by experience or by somebody telling them something and then not really having anything to contradict it, right? And so, but in that moment, you decide to swallow your pride. But again, when you're in the majority, you 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 can make decisions when you don't want to allow that to happen, and then it'll have some real big repercussions for the people that you decide to implement that on. Then that whole white guilt thing—I don't need your guilt. What I need it for? And one guilt ain't doing you no good. Ain't doing you no good at all. Yeah, I don't think. Listen, I don't know one. I don't know one black person who who wants that because to me, it's like you're 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 patronizing and patting someone on on the head. Uh, the Dude. fact of the matter is, I do have uh, black friends at the risk of being called a racist by saying that, and <laughs> they are people that I love that are smart. I, I think about like. Uh, some of my favorite people, man. Think about Pastor Doug in our community that married Rebecca and I. Um, man, I love that dude, man. Love that guy. Every time I see him, man, I'm just just beaming, man. Love to see. Him. I love his son. I love his son, Denzel, and 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 just 
I mean, the list goes on and on and on, man. I got it here. What you're doing right now is what you don't need to do, which is try to explain yourself. That, that I think that's what we're getting stuck. No, in. I'm not explaining myself. I'm, I'm I'm just putting that out there for for the sake of the conversation. Okay. I don't need to explain I, I, myself to anyone. It, it's just it it's just I don't know. It's an experience a lot of people have that uh, maybe they feel like they need to. I don't feel like I need to at all. Yeah. I, I would let my works just go ahead and demonstrate. Absolutely. And if, and if I get if I get nasty with somebody, and I try not to, but it's hard to make it from my house to Walmart without getting nasty with somebody. Um, <laughs> it, it's not going to be uh, because of what color they are. All right, little Walmart story today. I'm walking out of Walmart, and there's this old, older seasoned citizen in front of me, this guy, just coughing without covering up his, his face at all. And then he about runs his cart into a guy that was in front of him, because I don't know if he's looking down at his watch or something, and abruptly stopped before he piled the guy over. And then, uh, and then as he walks out the exit door and he takes a, a sharp left, there's a guy coming out of the entrance and, yeah. and he's like, you know, you're coming out of the entrance, don't you? And shakes his head. Like, you know, that guy's an idiot. And I'm thinking, dude, you're, you're acting like a fool right now, acting like this guy's an idiot while you're in here coughing while the coronavirus is going on. You're running people over. You're in my way. Which was supposed to be our topic tonight, by the way. We got way off up. Yeah, we did. All right, man. So uh, I will say uh, I told you that I'm motivated by the facts. Here's my corona thought. All right, there's two of them. And then we're going to okay. wrap this up. Here's here's the two. Oh, you got to let me respond, though. Okay, that's fine. Okay, here, number one, people have been asking me what I think. And I say, well, uh, the social distancing, all that stuff. Dude, I don't take an issue with any of that at all. But the truth of the matter is, Walmart is still open and I'm just going <laughs> to leave it right there. Okay. I'm just going to leave it right there in my town, Inverness. That's the Inverness mall, the Inverness <laughs> mall, man, it's open. So, and then hey, here's go ahead. No, up here, the grocery stores are still open, but they, yeah, actually, they is open. Disincentivize you doing any kind of like order where they would bring it out to your car or delivery because you, they, they'll tell you that items aren't available. But yet, you go in the store and those items that you couldn't order online and have picked up, they're right there. So you're telling me you I should do social distancing, but then you, it, it, I'm with you. On that okay. Part. All right. Oh. And here's the other thought. I told you I'm motivated by the facts. Let me give you some facts. Run it. All right. Uh, I'm a Christian who firmly um, believes in evolutionary biology. Some people okay. might have an issue with that. So let's look at this from an evolutionary biology standpoint. Mm -hmm. We put all these rules in place so that people who don't have sense uh, don't get infected, <laughs> right? So they stay healthy. Now, if you okay. didn't put the rules in place, people who have no sense would get sick. Is that right? Okay, let's go with that. You got what I'm saying? You see? Okay. Do you see where this is headed right now? I, 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 I keep going, brother. I want to know. Okay, so <laughs> dumb people would normally, under normal circumstances, they would go ahead and get sick, and let's just say, ultimately, they would not be in the gene pool any longer. Oh Jesus! <laughs> wow. You, well, uh, you, feel, you, get, you get what I'm saying, right? And so uh, Darwinism, yes. Yeah, right. That's it. So now we are protecting them so that they will then survive this calamity. They will procreate, thereby having more foolishness in the world. Which, by the way, happy ending to that whole story, Reggie. Mm. Being that you and I are criminal justice professionals, that's called job security. Oh, my God. So now, allow me to retort. Please do. I think the rules are put in place because there are people who are so cavalier, who are so contradictory, so nihilist, so against everything that they're ever told to do, that they do, they're, they're going to violate them anyway, right? I mean, so, but at least there'll be more people to adhere to them. And I think the biggest scare about this is, at least from what I've read and just watching videos and stuff, and like our governor has had this self, um, what's the word? Quarantine? Quarantine, yeah. And then uh, Amy Klobuchar, who's our senator, her husband has it. Uh, our lieutenant governor's brother died from it. I think wow. it's a serious joint, man. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't take anything. I don't discount it in any way, shape, or form. I think it, I don't want to get it. 
I think if you do get it, you're going to be miserable, brother. I really and truly do. But I also think that um, at the same time, the rules have to exist, brother. It's like why they put on the, on, on the side of a box that goes in the, um, in, in, in a food that you eat, removed from box before placing an oven. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. some people need it to be yeah. a little more literal. And that way, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I just don't want to give it to nobody. I mean, it, I think I'm strong enough maybe to survive it. I Lord knows I don't want to do, don't want to have to endure it, but I think I could survive it. But I also know that I could potentially be, be a carrier of it, like have it have no symptoms and then go around my wife's cousin who has um, br br brain bleeds and other stuff and has a really compromised immune system. Hell, even my wife has a compromised immune system. Yeah, so is mine. So I take it serious. Uh, okay, so I, I think, think that stop buying toilet paper, damn it. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> and then Lysol, I saw this video the other day. This lady was in the aisle with the Lysol and all the cleaning supplies. She said, Now look at this. This is a shame. All this stuff gone. You know what? I had this in my house before coronavirus. What was you nasty people doing that you needed to come out and buy it right now? You know what I mean? That's right. That's so, right. I don't know. It, it, I, I take it serious. I do. Uh, but, yeah, well, you know, when I was talking about when I was talking about the dumb people that are being protected, the, the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter what rule you put in place. Dumb folks are going to do what dumb folks do, right? But the thing is, those are generally younger people whose prefrontal cortex is mush. And so, so, so you know, they're, they're going to do whatever they want to anyway. And they're young people. So even if they get it, they're probably not going to be sick anyway. So what we really yeah. need to be doing is making sure that the most vulnerable are protected. And sometimes that means you're young. And yeah. you go do whatever you want to do. And now you're around people who are susceptible to it. Now you're going to kill them. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm there with you 100%. Absolutely, man. So I, do I think it's necessary? Yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'm frustrated by some of the stuff that's taking place up here. I mean, some of the rules and stuff we have in place, because they seem so hypocritical. I mean, like, um, let's not do this, but then still do that. I'm, I'm not going to go to a drive-thru and take food from somebody. What if they coughed on it? I mean, like, so if it's that serious, shut it all down, G. But if it's not, then, you know, build a little more flexibility and put some more toilet paper in the doggone stores. Like, what's wrong with folks, man? I'm serious. I'm not joking about that. We There's no toilet paper in the Twin Cities. None. We got some, because we had some before. But, like, my son coming home, my sister-in-law that moved in with us, we need to double down on our load, man. Because we got. I don't know, man. If 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 we talk again here in a few days, and that that uh, curtain behind you is missing, we're going to know what you did with it. <laughs> Absolutely, partner. Because I'm going to tell you this: I'm going to get it clean. But no, I'll just <laughs> let, let's do this again. And the, next time, I want to talk about the the whole discussion of uh, the China virus. And, and how that's played out. In, and I ain't calling it the China virus. Please do not take it that way. But just how people have responded to the way that's come out and the way it's been put out there. But I, I told you, my niece, who's uh, Vietnamese and white, she really reshaped my opinion about like the nature of that and how offensive, I mean, not just offensive, but how dangerous it could potentially be to actually use that language. So let's do that. Yeah, we'll do that, man. We'll do that for yeah, sure. I don't know. When I see these headlines uh, talking about coughing while Asian, um, <laughs> you know, that hey, make, that makes me go back to, uh, it makes me think about you talking about Jake behind the wheel, driving while black. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a freaking play on words. And uh, you know, I believe that by and large, uh, like Adam Carolla says, my favorite podcast, man, I love the Adam Carolla show. We're basically out of problems, and so we just create them. I believe that. I'm going to say that might be true for you and yours. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side of this fence, I damn sure ain't out of problems. I'm going to tell you that gotcha. right now. Gotcha. So, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept well, Let's talk about it more, because I, I, like I said, my, my niece, she, I was talking with her, and I was being kind of, really kind of cavalier about it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, they got merged, the Middle Eastern thing, right? And they're going on, and she really broke it down for me, like, she got family members who have been mistreated, who have been, because there's some folks out there who they look, like you said, we, we got to make up problems. There's people who look for things to like target others with, right? To elevate themselves or just to make themselves feel better in the moment. So, I mean, words are powerful. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Yeah. Words 
harm. Hey, man, listen, I grew up uh, George Schmalstig. I understand that very well. But I, yeah. at this point, I would hey, I would not have it any other way. So uh, my classmates that, that might be watching this that I haven't seen for, Jesus, 25 years. Yeah. You know, some of them could remember very well <laughs> out there on the playground in Madison Rural. It first of all, before folk learned how to cuss, it was Georgie Porgy pudding and pie, right? You, you got to <laughs> pick that name about my first name, and then yeah. people learned how to cuss, and then my last name became a target. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, well, you know, you can. So, but at the same time, here I am, forty-three years old. I'm clearly much better looking than most all of those uh, raggedy folk <laughs> that were doing that, and yeah. and I'm doing quite well for myself. I'm doing okay. So. uh uh just just like my uh friend from the barbershop said your hair is on point george what else yeah, can we absolutely. say it's, it's on fleek <laughs> i don't know what that means i'm, I'm hey, doing man. good it's all right it's all right all right man we'll talk about it uh next time and uh hey man i uh you, you know man I, I just love you to death man i love your family uh michelle and your brother uh william awesome he dude high, by the way. does it good i'm glad he does i love that dude man uh yep. now that that you know it took a little warming up right i was like i don't know about this dude right here man he seemed hard hard <laughs> you're soft man so i thought maybe all the hardness went to him but uh that dude's awesome man he's Indeed. awesome yeah Indeed. and your in your son awesome so anyway <laughs> we'll do more of this man so this is the uh prince george episode there'll be many more of these uh in the future and i'm gonna have other guests on as well but uh Reggie, I think you will be a fan favorite, that's for sure. And we'll just see where this goes. I say it all the time. Uh, at this point, I've done hundreds of Thinking for a Change trainings. And if the if there was a recording of my first one, I bet we'd, I would want it destroyed because I think it probably would have been a disaster. So hopefully tonight has not been a disaster, but uh, we'll just get better at this. First thing we're going to do is I'm going to send you a package from Amazon. I'm going to get you a better mic and get you a, a, a ring light or something like that so we can actually see you, man. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to get that address, and I'm going to send you a little Amazon care package. With the coronavirus, you should get it in about three months. <laughs> and it's going to be dusty and full of virus. <laughs> It, hey, Lysol that thing first. Go down to Sam's Club and uh and, and find some products. <laughs> I <laughs> borrow them from all your grimy friends that hoarded all of them and uh clean it up. We'll do it. All, all right, right Reggie. Talk to you again. Love you, man. Take care. Later.